Hey, Kurt and Future Onophiles, this is Allie. And this is Adrian. And we are the, the Bottle Blondes. We think wine is delicious, but we know that learning about it can be pretty overwhelming. We use our love of comedy to make learning about wine fun and approachable because we are learning about it too. In improv, mistakes are gifts, and boy, are we going to make some mistakes. So thanks for coming on this ride with us. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at Bottle Blondes Wine. Give us a listen, and if you like our podcast, leave us a review. And for pictures of the wine we drink for the cast and our other adventures in wine, follow us on Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine and on Twitter at Blondes Wine. Thanks for listening! We can drink wine in the meantime. We can. Uh, we've got each other. <laughs> Lean on me <laughs> when you don't have the vaccine. I'll be your friend. We can be in a pod. <laughs> yeah, germ circle, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we're gathered here today <laughs> to not talk about dumb, dumb COVID. No. But to. To talk uh, about something else that starts with C. Yes. Nice segue. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, It's a New World region that we both really love and have been wanting to talk about for a while. It's uh, Chile. Yeah. Long, skinny sister of the South. I don't know where I was going with that. It's like the earthworm of South America. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's definitely one of the um, geologically stranger yeah. situated countries. It's cool because it's got, you know, the the ideal situation that a lot of uh, coastal um, regions that grow wine in, you know, the states and all over the world have or seek out is that, like, it's it's got an arid climate. It's got sea breezes. So, like, the temperature is moderate, but it's sea breezes. And then it has lots of snow melt from the Andes and, um, you know, slope wash and things like that. So it's it's a rockin' region. Yeah, it definitely has a temperature and geological structures ideal ideal for growing wine. You got that. Another thing the Andes provides is a rain shadow. Ooh, yeah. a rain shadow. Rain shadow. Um, there's also a little coastal range of mountains that also kind of protects oh, yeah. from an overabundance of... Double mountains. Yeah. <laughs> Double the mountains, <laughs> double the fun. Uh, it, protect, it protects from the Humboldt breeze, or maybe the Humboldt breeze helps. I can't remember now. I think a bit of both. Um, the Humboldt breeze definitely moderates more in the north, and we'll get into that in just a bit. All right, so, so yeah. let's... Why don't you uh, dive into some, some fun facts about the region, and then we'll go into some history. Yes. Oh, history is my favorite. But first, <gasps> facts. Facts! Mm. Yeah, what's, what's Chile about? Uh, well, Chile is a, as we said, a New World wine region. It is uh, heavily influenced uh, by the French, which will go into more detail. So it produces a lot of um, reds in the Bordeaux family, like Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, um, and a few others. It's sixth in production in the world, oh, wow. and um, it also has six. Uh, regions with little sub-regions. Little so, baby. Yeah. Like you said, like a Russian, it's kind of a Russian nesting doll of regions. <laughs> yes. Like valleys within valleys. And everything's called a valley. Everything's a valley. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Um, which is super adorable. So yes, uh, the most planted grapes uh, there uh, are going to be Cabernet Sauvignon, 
Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Merlot, and Carmenere. The most widely planted grape prior to Cabernet Sauvignon was a, a grape called Pai. 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 I actually, I'm guessing that that's how it said. Yeah, I want to try it because it sounds like kind of a, a brethren to Gamay where it's very light bodied and fruity um, and typically gets blended a lot nowadays. Yeah, and there's a cool, uh, there's a little bit of cool history on that grape uh, as well, but we'll get into that later. Oh, let's dive a little bit into the history. L'histoire. 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 Oh, very nice. Or actually, let's, let's talk about the regions. So yeah, like you said, there's six six main regions, each with a lot of subregions um, that are all referred to as valleys. And from north to south, they are. Ooh, we can go off. Uh, Atacama, the oh god, Coquimbo, Coquimbo, <laughs> the Aconcagua, uh, and then we have the uh, Central Valley. Central Valley. And the South region, which is really creatively named. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then there's a region that uh, neither of us really know a lot about because it appears to be newer, mm-hmm. uh, the Austral Austral Valley. I'm guessing it's really cold down there because we're getting really close to uh, Antarctica territory. No, I thought it was reverse. I thought it was cooler in the north. And then, oh God, what part of the equator are we on ah! we're in the south we're, we're in the, the south, south. <laughs> <laughs> well that is tricky because there are a lot of cooler grapes grown in the northern valleys such as uh the aconcagua region um which is where a lot of sauvignon blanc and Semillon grows and i think that that is mainly contributed to because of like you said that humble breeze which is like a big current of air that comes up from Australia and brings a lot of cold shit with it. Um, kind of, you know, everybody's familiar right now with the, uh, what is it called that gets us every year? Uh, the polar vortex. So think mm. of it as the southern polar vortex. Uh, another one of my favorite really apocalypse sounding uh, weather phenomenons is the, oh god, fuck, I just had it in my brain. Uh, it's like a flood, but in the air. Oh god. Oh, god. <laughs> it's like an air flood. Fuck, I had the term a second ago. Come, uh, come okay, we're going to come back river. to that. <laughs> atmospheric river. Yes, yes, atmospheric river. We get hit by those all the time. And yeah. I'm like, uh, isn't that just bad? Isn't that just seasonal rain? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like 17 times worse. Uh. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, so within all of those regions, um, you know, Chile has a really cool history uh, that kind of spans a couple different eras, it feels like. So grapevines were, this was actually, when I was reading through this, I was like, you know what? This is the one place that was untouched by monks. It's true. Monks, Until yeah. the fucking conquistadors exactly. came so, on over. Came on over. <laughs> so they were the, the the bringers of the vines in the 1550s. And their religious in. agenda. And the religious, <laughs> yeah. Bringer of vines and religious agendas, <laughs> the conquistadors. And like you said, uh, the vines that they probably brought over were that Pai grape. Um, like I said, that light-bodied red varietal that actually came via way of Peru first. Um, it sounds really delicious. But during that time, Chile was under Spanish rule, and like there were tons of crazy restrictions for... Lots of different centuries. Lots of different centuries. You know. For many centuries. Uh, like the 15th century. Like the 16th, 17th <laughs> century. Um, basically, Spain was kind of a dick. And they were like, hey, you have to buy our wine, but we're not going to allow you to export your wine. <laughs> also, like, the Inquisition. Also, big problem. <laughs> 
So Chile kind of ignored a lot of their rules, but obviously just drank a bunch of their own wine because they couldn't really export it. Um, and basically that kind of takes care of things until around the 1800s when, from what I understand, rich uh, landowners in Chile were visiting uh, rich other dudes in France, yeah. <laughs> specifically in Bordeaux, and getting inspired and starting to bring over those French Bordeaux grapes, which is Le Bordeaux Connection. Whoa. It's not, it's not a real term. I just made that up. It sounds like a, like a thriller from the 80s. <laughs> starring, starring Paul Newman or something. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Le Bordeaux Connection. <laughs> Starring Paul Newman. Starring Paul Newman. <laughs> um, yeah, so another thing that kind of happened uh, in the uh, that time period was France was hit with the phylloxera. Allez, phylloxera. <laughs> Sorry, France. Um, that's a French accent alert. Beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a bunch of you know, people from, there was this big France, France was kind of like, oh, where can we, we, we cannot, we cannot live, we cannot no. be French if we do not grow wine, <laughs> we must go somewhere else. So they went to, um, they went to Chile. They went to Chile. Because the terroir there was actually pretty uh, similar to uh, Bordeaux, they found out. Yeah, lots of warm soils and um, great for growing. Sauvignon or Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot and Carmenere, which is a blending grape, a secondary blending grape for Bordeaux wines. Um, we'll go into a little bit of that later. But uh, yeah, they saw the success that the Chileans were having with their wines and they were like, shit, I got to get on that train. <laughs> yeah, so this was all definitely happening probably around 1863 ish, 1860s, 1870s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that sounds like everything was all in good. Chile was thriving. Chile's thriving. French dudes in Chile were thriving. Yeah. And then... Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Periods of political... Unrest. In, unrest. Insta- I'm sorry, I cut in, you Instability. Off. No. <laughs> no, it's true. There was, um, there was a big beef with uh, Argentina over free trade, and that kind of lowered the uh, quality of wine that was drunk in Chile. Yeah, um, there what, were. What, yeah, what other beef was going on? Uh, there were there were some dictators and the rise and fall of communism, and then another dictator. <laughs> civil war. There was a lot of civil war, so just a lot of unrest. <laughs> and you know, with unrest comes shitty wine. Yeah, <laughs> because either uh, the the vines are getting uprooted and destroyed, or um, they're not being taken care of and farmed correctly because everybody's getting sucked into war. <laughs> Yeah, and that has happened basically, I want to say, in every country, except for America, because that was prohibition. Yeah, that was our <laughs> war. That was our war. <laughs> the war on drunks. <laughs> the temperance movement. The temperance movement. Anyway, that's another broadcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, so in the, uh, I guess I want to say... In the 1980s in general, there was kind of a lot of wine revolution happening, not only in Europe, uh, in Italy, there was a big quality uh, improvement there after centuries of political instability and unrest. And then the same thing kind of happened in Chile. The 80s were when we had people, more uh, other people from France, families from France and winemaking families from Spain coming into Chile and really establishing 
uh, really pop, not popular. Well, they're popular. Yeah. But quality oh, wineries. Exactly. They, like the Rothschilds, as you may know from Bordeaux, came over and established their winery in Chile in 1988. A really great year, if I may say so. My <laughs> Year of Our Lord, birth of Adrian Warner. <laughs> yeah, they brought, um, and they brought like, t- the thing that they brought was um, techniques. They brought in different uh, mm-hmm. aging techniques. They brought in the idea of stainless steel and cleanliness yeah. for cleaner wines. They brought in uh, oak and French oak for more structured, uh, age-worthy wines. Mm-hmm. So you definitely, this big uptick, uh, Uptick? Uptick? Yeah, up, an uptit. A, a good old uptit of <laughs> somebody punch French winemaking. <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> Double uptit. <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, then, you know, once the quality caught on, other people started coming in, and it slowly grew from, you know, just, I want to say, 12 or so wineries in the, like, 90s to a, a shit ton today shit ton. i don't have the exact <laughs> metric shit ton today <laughs> but a lot of them are um bigger producers which we'll go into um and it's a little bit harder to kind of get your hands on some of the smaller guys yeah. uh, you know exported here in america you're definitely going to see those more in your wine shops mm-hmm. um but yeah we're gonna go over that here shortly yeah oh wait oh <gasps> It's geography time, isn't it's it? It's geography time. Oh. Let's talk about soils. Oh, boy. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, you know, obviously they can differ a lot depending on whether you're on the coast or you're inland or you're at the base of the mountains, but it sounds like a lot of chili soils um, are a mix of granite. Granite's kind of like the predominant soil there, kind of broken up, free-draining, uh, with a lot of sand and clay and marl mixed in. Um based on you know where you're where you at (laughs) (laughs) that's what i know about so i was i was trying to like read a lot into the soils and it was like i would either get the most technical like talking about metamorphic rock and things like that i'm really sleepy reading or it was like just kind of that blend so i was like well let's go with that blend (laughs) yeah my understanding uh with soils and relating to like grape variety is definitely the more um granite and kind of rocky looser Mm -hmm. like well-drained soils are more suited to white grapes because it helps them keep their acid Mm. i think Mm -hmm. gotta look into that uh adrian and i just finished a french wine scholar and italian wine scholar so we are trying to apply some of that knowledge here (laughs) i do know that um Granite makes really expressive reds in in like the Beaujolais region, um, and granite actually brings out a lot of the fruitiness in grapes. Um, I don't know exactly why because I am not uh, that big of a nerd, but <laughs> <laughs> hey. nothing against geology nerds, bless them. Um, I just I can't get that I can't wrap my head around that deep of a level quite yet. I'm sure I'll get there. But one thing that is interesting about Bordeaux is. The concept of warm versus cool soils, uh, I do know that Merlot grows on cooler soils, so clay and limestone, and then Cabernet Sauvignon grows in warmer uh, soils, which is usually um, gravel and and sand. Because oh, those rocks retain the heat. Yeah. And keep the vines and the grapes warm at night once the exactly. sun's gone down. But I don't think that's quite the case here because the growing 
season is so long it that, is the longer growing that things season. achieve ripeness kind of no matter what because there's so much steady uh, weather. There's not a lot of inclement weather. So I really don't know if the soil's Le Bordeaux connection mm-hmm. applies here <laughs> in uh, terms of soil. <laughs> starting to <call> me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then as far as, you know, we kind of already talked about the breezes and some of the geogra- other geographic features that mm-hmm. uh, make up Chile. Uh, one thing I kind of wanted to go in a little bit more was this idea of um, irrigation. Yeah. So in a lot of parts of the in a, in a lot of parts of the world, uh, there is <clears throat> irrigation is kind of like forbidden in certain areas because it's against rules or whatever. And then here in Chile, we kind of have this issue where sometimes certain areas can get too much water, which is the runoff from the Andes, mm-hmm. or sometimes they. Um, what they'll do is they'll try to channel it away. They'll try to channel that runoff away from their vineyards mm-hmm. and then just do their own irrigation depending on what grapes they're growing. So um, another great thing that the melting snow from the Andes provides is good diurnal temperature swing. Yeah. Yeah, which is my other new favorite uh, climate word. Yeah, diurnal. <laughs> diurnal temperature swings, which just means that the temperature... Uh, changes pretty significantly from night to the following day and that's good for preserving uh, acidity in grapes so yeah and then as we mentioned earlier the uh, Atacama the Coquimbo and the Anchagua are a little um, cooler climate or no Anchagua is excuse me a cooler climate and then we have inland warmer climates in the central and southern valleys and we're mostly going to be focusing on the Central Valley region today because that's kind of the biggest producer of wine and also where a lot of the, the those big boor, red Bordeaux grapes grow. Um, but the first one that we're actually going to start with is just a little bit north in the Aconcagua. And like I said about the Bordeaux connection, uh, the white grapes are represented here as well. So we've got uh, Sauvignon Blanc does really, really well here, as does Semillon. And I actually didn't look into it, but I really wish I did, and maybe I'll look into this later, about, you know, I wonder if they do any sort of Bordeaux Blanc blends or if mm. they even do, um, like, sweet wines like a Sauterne or something like that because I'm sure they get nice fog in the morning off of the sea. They probably do, but it's probably, we in America don't see a lot of it because that's more, you know, experimental maybe. Maybe, yeah. And it's probably only drunk in the in the country. Um, <clears throat> you know, Chile does have a DO system, a do, oh God. Denomination, Denomination de origen? <laughs> It's a do. It's a do. It's a do do. It's the only thing they have. They don't have sixteen other things like France Thank and God. Italy. Um, <laughs> Thank you for keeping it simple, Chile. And Everything's based- a valley or a do. <laughs> yep. So and uh, yeah, that's all you have to remember. And if there's a do on the label, I don't know if that necessarily means it's more prestigious. Um, I think it just means it's, it's from, recognized by the government from, as like, from that valley. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, and probably specializes in in that specific whatever it's making. That was really general information. Mm. Hey, we, we hey. we've been pretty specific. Specific. <laughs> well, let's get into specific, shall we? Oh yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna crack open this first wine that we have today, which is uh, Sauvignon Blanc. I haven't had a Sauvignon Blanc in a while, um, and I remember opening it and drinking it last night to taste it and be like, oh, yep, she's a Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> This is... She's a lady. She's a lady. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's a lady. So this is the EQ Coastal Sauvignon Blanc for, uh, made in 2019. It is made by, uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Matetic Vineyards, which is a pretty big vineyard from what I could gather. I got this off of wine.com, so definitely a larger producer. Um, but they are 100% biodynamic and 100% organic wines. And all they got really good ratings. It was like everything was in the 90s. This specific wine was in the 90s. Um, and this specific wine comes from the Casablanca Val Valley, which is in the Aconcagua region, just slightly north of the Central Valley. Uh, it's cooler here because of the cooling effects of the Humboldt current, which I mentioned, flows up from the Antarctic. You can also find really, really good uh, Pinot Noir in the Casablanca Valley. And uh, specific to this winery, uh, they have lots of cute horse pictures. <laughs> oh my God, you know how I, I feel know, about I know how you love a good horse picture. Oh, Those biodynamic wineries. They also have... This is something that I that I saw for a couple of those bigger wineries down in Chile. Is they have um, like a resort on site where you can go down, stay at the resort, ride horses, and drink wine. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's right, go. And it right looks beautiful. So, um, oh, and the soils that this is grown on are granite and quartz, and it's aged four months on the leaves. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, it has that kind of classic on the nose. It has the classic kind of grassy notes mm -hmm. that you get from a Sauvignon. Yes, one, that was exactly what I wrote down was grass. <laughs> but there's one thing that is different in this Sauvignon Blanc than other standards is, on the nose at least, is it's very floral. Mm. I'm picking up um, some like, a lot of like white flowers here. I mean like a little um, tangerine juice. Yeah, it's not as tropical as the Sauvignon Blancs that I feel like you encounter in um, New Zealand oftentimes. I tell you what we said about a Chilean Sauvignon Blanc in our very first episode, but we were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and when you taste it, very peppery. I feel like it tastes like a margarita, like a jalapeno margarita. Like it's lime and jalapeno. Oh, it does have a little like... I wonder, maybe it's just because like the imagery of chili and what we know about other grapes coming I know. from there is like everything kind of inherently has this peppery or chili -esque aspect to yeah. it. Like, I don't know. It's it's nuts. I I could be hallucinating, but yeah, this is really lovely. I love the marriage of the flowers and maybe a little bit of unripe stone fruit too. Yeah, it's it's a really nice mariage. <laughs> The Bordeaux connection is strong here. Starting upon him. And you know what? It's mellowed out just a hair since last night. When mm. I first put it, when I first put it in my mouth, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, Zam, Zim Zam, Zim Zam, get me a Tim Tam." <laughs> Tim Tam. That was from our Australia episode, wasn't it? Wasn't oh, it a Tim Tam? <laughs> Good times. Oh, we were also kind of drunk towards the end of that one mm -hmm. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It happens sometimes. We're spitting tonight. We're spitting tonight, but we're going to have a nice glass afterwards. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's the um, the EQ Coastal Sauvignon Blanc from Matata Guayans. EQ stands for Equilibrium. I know, fancy. Wow. Um, and then for this next one, we're going to go into the other Bordeaux white grape, Semillon, which is always a personal favorite of mine. Um, but first, I'm going to have another sip of this because it's so delicious. Mm-hmm. 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 <clears throat> oh, yum. Mm-hmm. This is um, from a very small producer. Oh my goodness. And like the print on this, I mean, it's a really cool label. It is, it's, it's very, like, it's like a Basquiat-ish label. <laughs> I don't know. It's nice. Yeah, a little bit of art history there. Yeah. It's uh, from a producer called Escandalo Wines. Mm. And um, it's a 13.9% alcohol. It's a big, it's a big semion. It's a big semion, but it doesn't taste super big. Um, hold on, let me pull this cork out. And it is, uh, it's farmed on uh, old vines. The, the producer specifically goes out and finds uh, old vines on like abandoned plots of land, essentially and cultivates them. So Semillon is one of the grapes that he, he oh, makes. Oh, you don't, you don't want to reach all the way across this <laughs> You know I will <laughs> knock something over. Oh, this smells like pretty boozy. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like a almond had sex with some hard alcohol. <laughs> I, I wrote, um, it's like riding an inner tube when you're slathered in banana boat. <laughs> Oh, Summer, you're so close. You're so close. Um, it's, yeah. It's, it's like when you slice an over, when peach that's just overripe and it's still edible, but it's got that, like, overripe smell to it. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely, like, I spilled a pina colada on myself, but then, like, rang out my shirt, but then kind of, like, faintly had that <laughs> smell on my shirt all day. Oh, I thought you were going to say you rang it out into a glass. <laughs> I'm not at that level yet. <laughs> Save the drink. Um, <laughs> Maybe 21 year old me. I would just buy another one <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice like. Mm. You know what mm. that like dull pineapple like guava mango orange combo that you would get in yeah. the stores that had zero percent juice in it? Yeah, tastes like that. <laughs> Also, I was talking about it earlier. There's earlier. Earlier. There's a little bit of papaya in here, I might say. Oh, here's a bit of papaya. <laughs> it's actually got a really. Um, I think it feels. It feels like there's some malolactic uh, fermentation that happened mm. here. It's got like a really nice kind of creamy mouth. Mouth. It does. Yeah. I think Semillon tends to have kind of a natural, like waxy vibe mm. to it. Um, in terms of winemaking, it is unfiltered. It's made with native yeast, very minimal uh, sulfites uh, added to it. And yeah, the vineyards, like I said, old vineyards uh, range from 60 to 200 years old. Essentially, this winemaker, who has a really fun name, I'm going to say it, Mauricio Veloso Estuardo, um, I know, set out in the early 2010s. So he's really only been at this for... 10 or so years and he's been working on these old vines and I kind of want to try his other wines because this is a fun adventure. I hear he was also the cinematographer on Le Bordeaux Connection. <gasps> Le Bordeaux Connection featuring Pondemir. 
<laughs> That's actually how he got his start. Yeah. As, yeah, he was a DP first. <laughs> <laughs> a DP for PN. <laughs> oh, you know, I love a good breathe back to back. I like this. But yeah, it is. It's, it's almost like um, the part of the pineapple that isn't juice. Like, I don't know if you ever cut a pineapple. God, no. Well, after our sketch this summer, and you gave me that pineapple. Oh, yeah. You, you just go home and you cut it up, right? I cut it up. I looked at a YouTube video. It showed me how to cut a real pineapple. I know how to do that now. I feel accomplished. That's amazing. Uh, but I noticed you waste a lot of, um, oh. there's still a lot of pineapple on the inner outside that doesn't quite, anyway, it kind of tastes like that. There we go. I got, got there. It. Got it. I got there. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really lovely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is, like you said, probably one of those wines where you'd have to go to your local wine shop. Um, to pick it up because I think I just found this on a whim when I went into one of those and was like, oh, a semillon from Chile. We're going to do a Chile yeah, episode. Yeah, and it's from yes. the, the, specifically from the Colchagua. Yeah, this in is the specifically from the Colchagua in the Central Valley, which is a baby of the Rappel Valley, which I know you will go to. Oh, I was going to say, is this my segue? <laughs> we got segues all day. Yeah. Les Bordeaux Connection segue. <laughs> Uh, starting with Paul Newman. <laughs> the, uh, yes, so the Rappel Valley is one of the little nesting valleys within the Central Valley. And the Rappel Valley contains two other valleys. <laughs> it contains the uh, Cachapol, I believe, and the Colchagua. Um, so that's the Rappel. But, oh, really quick. Sorry, yeah. I just wanted to backtrack. Yeah, go. Just so people are aware, the central because the Central Valley is so big, it not only contains the Rappel Valley, um, it also contains the Maipo region. Ah, uh, yes. Which is um, kind of a more prestigious uh, valley for Bordeaux blends. Uh, it also has the Curaco, and then the the Mole, the Mole uh, yeah. Valley, I, the Mole Valley, and the Mall Mall or Mole Valley. Um, Go to the Mall Valley. Let's go to the Mall Valley. <laughs> is interesting um, because they cultivate a lot of old. That's kind of like where some of that old vine growth it can really be found is is down there. Um, and I'll talk about that later. Yes. Oh my God. Me too. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wait. Oh my God. We're <laughs> gonna find out later. Okay. We're gonna find out later. We both got in. both got the <laughs> same surprise. The one. same surprise. Why? That's never happened. That'll be uh, pretty amazing if it did happen. Oh my God. That'll um, be so exciting. Well, anyway. Let's uh, let's backtrack in here mm -hmm. to the Rappel Valley, which I just mentioned <clears throat> has uh, those two valleys within it. So the main grapes here are going to be Carmenere, Merlot, Cab Sauv, Malbach. Malbach. <laughs> wow, my pronunciation is aces. Uh, it's 60 miles from the south of the Maipo, so just for a little bit of uh, geographic context there. Um, it is flanked by the Andes in the coastal range and sheltered from the cool Pacific air, um, but it's moder moderated by the Rappel River. And another mm. thing I love about rivers. I love I a good river moderation. Learned so much about an Italian wine scholar. Yes, same in is French why wine scholar. a river helps a valley. And that's because bodies of water take a really long time to cool down and mm -hmm. heat up. So when the temperature drops at night, and the surrounding air gets cold, there's still heat coming off of, especially if it was a warm day, there's still heat coming off the water, helping to moderate that cold air. It's kind of like concrete in the city. <laughs> but, but you know, a lot nicer. Less majestic. <laughs> 
Um, and vineyards here are usually planted between 600 and 1,000 meters above sea level. Uh, oh, that's pretty yeah. high. It's pretty high. It's got a lot of volcanic soils, actually. Fun. Bunch of fun little microclimates. And it's got a pretty large range of grapes, even though uh, most of them are, you know, most plantings and production is just a, a few. There's a big, good, good big variety there. A good big variety. Uh, the Rappel Valley, in fact, produces about a quarter of the country's wine. Damn. Yeah. Damn Rappel. She be hustling. <laughs> she be big. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, so the number one planted grape, which we've said over and over again, is Cabernet Sauvignon. But today we are going to taste the second most planted grape, which is Merlot. Oh, Merlot. Oh, Merlot. Remember, remember, remember those nice ladies from the crafty minis that came through? You know what? I bet that they have another episode coming up all about Carmen Yer. I, you know what? I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Yeah, we have to definitely uh, invite them back. <clears throat> so we're going to have a Merlot today from a winery called La Pastole. And this is one of those uh, French producers that came over in the 1970s and helped kind of uh, kickstart Chile's uh, wine revolution. So this is a 2017, uh, like I said, the producer is La Pastole. 1994, Alexandra Marnier Lapastol, sixth generation uh, heir to the uh, French Grand Marnier house. How they... can I get that? Like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> right. How baller is that? <laughs> right. So they not only did, you know, Grand Marnier, own the Grand Marnier label, they also had, uh, they have vines, obviously, uh, over there as well. So she brought <clears throat> property in the Colchagua with her husband, hired a French enologist, and you know, they have vineyards in the Colchagua, the Cachapol, and uh, a little further north in Casablanca. Or Casablanca. <laughs> Casablanca. Casablanca? It seems Cas like the white way to say it. Potato, it, potato. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to touch on this right now, but I'm going to go more in depth on it later. Is she bought this land in 1994 when Chile was just realizing that a majority of the Merlot that they had planted was in fact... Uh, Carmenere. <laughs> yes. So more on that when uh, we talk to a Carmenere because when we talk to her, we invited a Carmenere to interview and we're going to talk to an idiot Hallie. <laughs> so Le, she also stars in Le Bordeaux Connection <laughs> alongside Paul Newman. She does. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll go more into that kind of fun uh, 145 year mix up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it took him a hot minute to find out. <laughs> it did. But uh, let's let's get to this uh, Merlot. It's a nice medium ruby um, on the nose. Last night I got plum, uh, vanilla bean, tobacco, a little black cherry, and um, yeah, it's really delicious. I didn't look up the uh, tech sheet mm -hmm. on this, uh, I, but I can tell you that it was probably just based on these, you know, kind of vanilla notes that it did spend some time in oak. And then on the palate is a little bit more earthy. Um, Got a lot of clay pot and baking chocolate, some black currant, very herbal. Yeah. Um, it's got a little higher tannin yeah. than you would expect from a Merlot, but um, it's got good medium acidity, um, medium to full bodied. and But the finish for me is a little short on this one, honestly. I can see that too. But yeah, the tannins really stood out to me immediately. Is that something that you don't 
typically see a lot of on Merlot, especially in the new world. And I think that's where this, I be, this is a very French style. Exactly. Of yeah. Merlot because these are the type of tannins in a Merlot you mm -hmm. would expect from Bordeaux. Oh, really good. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it's mellowed out a little bit since yesterday. I wonder nice. if there's anything blended with it mm. that's not mentioned on the label. It's possible because as a, I don't know if the wine, the wine laws I were, were I was looking at were mm -hmm. in the wine Bible, which is a little outdated now. And basically they were saying if a grape is smack dab in the middle of the label, there has to be at least 75% right, okay. of it. So it's possible that because there's looser blending restrictions in Chile that it's not 100% Merlot. Yeah. It could have. Something else. Something else. <laughs> yeah. If I put that in my mouth, <laughs> I wouldn't guess that it was a Merlot right off the bat. Not yeah. that I can blind call things like that by any means, but um, yeah, it, it definitely has that kind of old world herbal kind of vibe, but it still has that kind of rich fruitiness probably because of that nice worm growing growing season. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I sound like an asshole. <laughs> You don't. We are, we are teaching the people of the world. We're teaching the children. We're teaching the children. Underage, Wait, not the children. Underage children how to drink. Don't don't come after us. Mummy, I want to taste the wine. Mummy, I want to watch the Bordeaux Connection on FX. No, it's rated R. I like that it's on FX. I mean, quality thing. They sure do. They sure do. Or they? I'm not FX. What's the? Oh, I was thinking. Oh, FXX. FXX, yeah. <laughs> the rated R version. Where they only show rated R movies from the 80s starring Paul Newman. <laughs> uh, okay. So that was a little sampling of something from the Rappel Valley within nice. the Central Valley. Nice. Staying in the Central Valley, we're moving a little bit further south to the Curaco or Curacao? No. Nope. I don't know because there's a little accent on the top. Curaco? Curico. Maybe it's Curico. Curico. I like it. Yeah. I'm, I'll go with that. <clears throat> the Curico Valley. So, as I mentioned, south of the Rappel Valley, it's got two little sub-regions within it, which, uh, surprise, surprise, are also valleys. <laughs> the Tino Valley and the Lantou Valley, which are named after the two uh, main rivers there. Again, we're looking at um, a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon. It has a lot of... Uh, I put. Oh, this is a fun... <laughs> mistake i wrote i wrote down cab blanc that's not a real wine <laughs> i think i might meant to write down cabernet sauvignon and uh oh god sauvignon blanc jesus fucking christ i meant to write down <laughs> sauvignon blanc it grows chardonnay um and those are the most uh planted uh varieties so this valley the curico is basically known as a very reliable uh good value wine region it's considered a workhorse region it's a good valley yeah it's a good value um it's a little bit more eastern it's a little bit closer to the val uh the valleys it's closer to the andes mm -hmm. uh, and not so much as close to the the coastal region and one of the two most high profile wineries that we're going to see here are montes alpha which we had a cabernet uh sauvignon from them Yes, I remember that. Over the summer, and I also got a Syrah from them. Nice. And they're also featured in the wine show. Ooh. Their wine's really good. 
uh, but we're not tasting that today. And then the Miguel Torres winery, which we are tasting today. Nice. <laughs> so the soils here, um, kind of continuation of the volcanic soil with a little bit of limestone. Soils in this area are a little bit more fertile. Um, and this actually used to be considered part of the Moale Valley uh, to the south, mm. but um, some of these these two prestigious producers in particular, uh, Montesalfa and Miguel Torres, kind of helped bring it into its own thing, its own thingamajig. Oh, the thingamajig. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there's a fun harvest festival here in March. Harvest is in March in Chile. Oh, yeah. They, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it's flip flopped. It's flip-flopped, and the location in this this harvest festival is the oldest and largest harvest festival um, in Chile. It's over four days long Whoa. Uh, for the past 30 years. That sounds dope. Yeah, I was just like, it's March now. Yeah, can we go, <laughs> we please? Could, we could go. Take us with you. So we are going to have one of Miguel Torres's wines today. Uh, we're going to have his Santa Dinga. <laughs> Dinga? Reserve Carmenia. Dina? 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 D-I-G-N-A? I think it's just Dina. Dina, okay. Uh, Carmenier. So he, so Miguel Torres was a Spanish winemaker, and he came to Chile in 1979 and um, brought, like I mentioned earlier, Spanish winemaking techniques mm. in his home. So he was a winemaker in, like, northeastern Spain. Okay. So kind of a little bit cooler climate. <clears throat> so he used stainless steel there. He brought stainless steel winemaking techniques uh, to Chile. And obviously when the quality goes up, you attract foreign investors. Yeah. And the rest is history. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so this uh, particular label was the very first estate that they acquired. Cool. Um, and this, so this, so something that you're not going to see a ton on Chilean wine labels uh, is Reserva. And... Reserva in other countries is going to delineate like how long it's been aged. It normally means like a minimum aging requirement in oak or in bottle. Especially in Spain. Especially in Spain, especially in France, especially in Italy. But in Chile, Reserva, it's real loosey-goosey. But you can ex if you see Reserva on the label, you can expect that it probably spent time in oak. Okay. And that it was probably aged longer than your typical wine. Okay. <laughs> so those are good two things to know. That's, that's all you're kind of going to see there. So uh, let's give this a taste. I want to talk about this wine, and then I'm going to talk about the Carmenere story. Yay! The Carmenere story. The Carmenere story. The report. I'm excited. I like Carmenere. I love a Carmenere. So this, so one of the classic uh, smells you're going to get from a Carmenere is a. Uh, chili paprika mm -hmm. this one to me on the nose actually smelled like chili rieno i was like oh new mexico oh. it's very herbal there's some blackberry stewed raspberry um yeah yeah that it's, it's, it has like a smoked paprika smell mm -hmm. right off the bat something that i found interesting in my french waller french waller sky <laughs> french wine scholar studies is they kept uh referring to carmenere as having indian spices interesting yeah i was like oh okay <laughs> i don't like uh, i mean mm, i don't not like indian food i just don't seek it out mm -hmm. i think sometimes the combination and level of spices happening is sometimes too much for me but yeah this kind of smells like i could get a little bit of cumin maybe off of it mm-hmm yeah you know, on the palate, it is, um, 
It's not as, it's, mm. it's a little bit more green peppercorny. It's very herbal, um, sage, cocoa powder, bay leaf. It's pretty medium across the board as far as um, acidity and tannins. But it's still really juicy. It's pretty juicy. It's got a longer finish than the Merlot, which is strange. Um, Carmenere is considered a, a lighter yeah. bodied grape than Merlot. So to me, this one reads a little bit fuller bodied on the yeah on the palate this is great i like this a lot mm. yeah very drinkable let's tell me about the carmenere report <laughs> <clears throat> the carmenere report is here <laughs> carmenere was indigenous to france ta-da one of the bordeaux varietals one of the og uh bordeaux varietals uh bordeaux varietals so unfortunately um Carmenere needs a little bit longer of a growing season than Merlot. Mm -hmm. So French winemakers were like, oh, Zutalers, this yeah. grape is not performing as well as my other grapes. Yeah, and after Phylloxera, they were like, mm, do I want to replant with something that's harder to grow and doesn't achieve ripeness as fast? Especially in Bordeaux, where it's really hard to achieve ripeness. They were like, no. So it's still there a little bit, but not very much. Yeah, and basically we can assume that during this time pre-Phylloxera when they were like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about Carmenere, one of those wealthy Chilean landowners were like, I'll take some. I'll take it. But or did like, he know? Maybe it was like an intentional ruse. Maybe ooh. some French like guy was just like, I will trick this stupid Chilean into taking my Carmenere. But he was thinking it's Merlot. <laughs> so, yeah, basically... That's how it got to Chile. And then for straight up 145 years, everyone thought it was Merlot. Until one year, <laughs> circa 1990, 1994, or 1990, I think is when the first guy, I think I have his name here. Um, the winemaker at the Vigna Carmen uh, winery, he was noticing that some of his grapevines were just not achieving ripeness at the same time as others, and the leaves were like a different color. Mm -hmm. So he brought in a specialist, a grapevine ID expert, there's a job, to kind of sort it out. And then he was just like, yeah, dude, this is Carmenere. And then a couple, you know, however much longer later, they brought in a DNA specialist yep. and then realized, oh shit. Oh shit. So this is where it gets interesting. A lot of people in Chile were like, we were deceived. Yes. And they tore the shit up. Uh, but others were like, you know what? We see this as an opportunity to make something really special and put our, our name on the map. And those people who really invested in their Carmenier vines kind of really made Carmenier synonymous with Chile. I think if anybody is like really into Chilean wines, they think of Carmenier. Exactly. And it's so... Good. It's so dang good. Also, I have uh, one fun wine trivia. I mean, not trivia, sorry. Wine term. Um, that grapevine DNA specialist mm -hmm. is called an ampelographer. Oh, right. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, God, I just did a Tim Allen thing. <laughs> yeah, a French... Well, it doesn't have to be French. An ampelographer can come from anywhere, but yeah, an ampelographer is a name for a grapevine DNA specialist. It sounds real sciencey. Science. You know what? That's, not my specialty. That's somebody else's specialty. That's what I love about wine and learning about wine is it's just not alcohol. It's geography. It's history. Mm -hmm. It's science. It's Brittany, bitch. <laughs> I listened to Britney the other day. Did you watch the documentary? Not yet. I really need to. Maybe I'll do that this weekend. Yeah. It was good. Poor Britney. Poor, poor Britney. 
Hashtag free Britney. I want to learn the um, the crazy dance. The what? Oh, you drive me crazy. <laughs> I just can't sleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. I think it would just be a fun party trick. I, I think like, that's a great idea. Play crazy, bitch. <laughs> and then just clear the floor. It also looks like a pretty complicated dance. I did. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you got time. I you do. Got time to learn. I do have time to learn. Not necessarily the space to learn, but that's yeah, fine. I'll figure it out. <laughs> this is really. Oh, Charlie's really excited about this wine too. This is delicious. I'm really into it. Mm-hmm. It's not as peppery actually as some of the other um, no. Carmeniers I've had. We have. We actually did have the Los Volcas Los Vascos label which is Chateau Lafitte Rothschild's oh, right. wine label. And that was very peppery. I yeah, remember that. Yeah, super peppery. We did that. I can't remember. It was a blind tasting in uh, an episode uh, of I'm yesteryear. <laughs> many moons. Many, many, many moons. Many moons ago. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. We, that's, that's basically the Central Valley in a nutshell. We didn't go too into the Moale Valley or... Or will we? Or will we? Or will we? (laughs) Well, uh, maybe we should move on to... Should we do a wine term or should we go into... No, we should do blind tastings. We should do blind tastings Mm. first. Um, Not saying that mine is from the Molle (laughs) version. Me neither! (laughs) Shit! (laughs) Shit! Um, I think we're surprising each other with the same thing. I'm really curious. Um, maybe Maybe we should blind each other at the same time mm. and see if we're getting the that's, same thing that's quite an idea let's i like that it. let's do that indeed mm-hmm. indeed oh man oh i keep bumping my microphone um i'm sure that'll sound really great in edit <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so um here why don't you go first okay <laughs> I've got a beautiful piece of tinfoil around got, my bottle of wine. And I've got a really nice uh, liquor store black bag around mine. <laughs> so, you know, we're doing, we're serving some real fashion up in here. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, for the, the crinkly-ness. <laughs> Precarious. I think these are I think the these same wine. Well, look at that. Look at that. Same color. Same color. Same medium ruby. Oh, yours. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yours smells so floral. Yours is um, a little bit more tropical, but still like, you know, ripe red berries for sure. Yeah. Strawberry um, is one that I'm really getting here. Um, On that one, I got, you know what? I smelled, um, at least last night, maybe it opened up a bit more. I was like, this smells like a like a Christmas candle, oh. and then I couldn't unsmell it. Mm. The one thing that I got in that wine, which maybe you won't be able to unsmell, is salami. <laughs> That's right, I said it, everyone. Salami. salami. <laughs> okay, here it goes. Mm-hmm. You know that's. For that color and that smell, it's surprisingly rustic mm-hmm. and kind of um, this dry. One's, yeah, this one's a lot, um, a lot fruitier than than that one. Um, yeah, 
Like I'm getting like kind of stewed strawberries and, and things like that here. So I don't know. Maybe we do have the same and they're just different expressions. I think Maybe so. Maybe we don't. On the count of three, let's say what the varietal. Is it a single varietal? Um, it's most. It's like an 80-20. Okay. Let's say on the count of three. One, One two, two, three. Carignan. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I didn't say it. I said pie. I meant to say pie. 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 Oh, cool. Cool. But awesome. the blend on this is Carignan. So it's 80% pie, 20% carignan. Okay, well that makes sense then why I'm getting all this strawberry. Fun! Okay, let's reveal. That is fun. Yeah. Crinkle, 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 little star. <laughs> crinkle, little star. Yes! Oh, fun! Super fun! Oh, a carignan field bend. Yeah. Bend. Oh my gosh. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah, so this color is like pretty. Oh, I mean, it's a little dark in here, pale. but it's, pr it's pretty pale. Yours, like I could tell, was uh, a lot darker mm -hmm. than mine. Um, so yeah, it's delightful. Yeah, so let's. Uh, we have two, maybe two little grapes to bop into here, real yeah, quick. Yeah, let's bop in. All right. Oh, uh, why don't you go since I just okay. talked for a long time? All right. So this this surprise wine is a Carignan Field Blend, and I always get Carignan. And Carmenere mixed up. Uh, Carmenere, is, you're going to think of more spices, spice driven, and uh, Carignan is going to be very like kind of tart berries, um, like raspberry with kind of like smoky meats. Um, it's a really good holiday wine, honestly. It's really, it's like another, it's kind of equivalent to Zinfandel, but I get less jammy notes on it. So this one specifically is by a really cool winemaker called Garage Wine Company. Uh, it was started by a Canadian dude, Canadian dude, mm. uh, named Derek Mossman and his wife, Pilar Miranda. And similar to this, this Semillon that I have, um, Escandolo, they make wine from a bunch of individual parcels of really old vines. And they, they're biodynamic, baby. They use a horse and a plow. Yes, yes. you know what? I love it. <laughs> they practice regenerative farming. Um, and basically, they're all about, you know, putting uh, effort and farming practices back into the land to kind of revive the land. Um, because there's been a big, I don't remember exactly when, but a long time ago, there was like a huge production of, Carignan vines down in the the mall valley and they were kind of overproduced and then they were abandoned and so winemakers are going back down there and reviving them and lowering their yields and making really good wine so um the the cool practices that this specific company uh, employs are they use 100 recycled glass they do screen printing on their labels instead of um, stickers and they use crayon wax for their seals so mm. yeah they're really neat oh and also too they they started to make they made their own fermentation tanks they like got scrap pieces of stainless steel and made open fermentation tanks outside so they're like super super sustainable oh wow yeah and um something else which is going to be my wine term for the week is you see this really really big this is kind of the most prominent um piece of the label it says vino v-i-g-n-o and this is actually not part of garage wine company it's actually a uh, an organization in chile and they essentially uh, they, it stands for Vinadores de Carignan, and they essentially just produce 
uh, old vine carignan in the Mall Valley. So it's people who have basically been pushing for high quality carignan from these old vines. And there's like, I think about 16 or so producers that get together and, and essentially establish best practices for this production. So if you see this VIGNO on a Chilean wine, on a, on a Chilean carignan, get it. Cause it means it's really high quality, really old vines. And, um, probably pretty age-worthy. Carignan's a really fun wine. It's this, like I said, it's kind of, I don't know, I get lots of holiday vibes from it, like cinnamon and yeah. pomegranate. Yeah, it is. And I can see how, and when I talk about the Pie Grape in a second, I think we'll understand why there's Carignan Ooh. with it Ooh. In, in that uh, wine over there. So yeah, tell me about Pie, because I could probably slurp this down. This is a... This is a porch pounder. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it really is. It's um, a pee pee. It is a pee. It's a pee pee. It's a pee pee. Uh, well, this wine is um, called Alpa from the. Um, I guess the producer is Vinamataya. So Alpa is uh, sourced from a single uh, dry farm vineyard planted with pie, and the pie was planted in 1870. I was trying to figure out what dry farming means. Does that just mean no irrigation? And also 1870, wow. You know what? I did not look into this term and I should have. Yeah, we'll but uh, I believe what it means is maybe there's no extra uh, irrigation required. They just kind of let the grape do what it wants because yeah, my understanding is this grape is very um, easy to grow. Cool. Um, and then later this area was planted with Carignan in the 1960s. Mm. Uh, and the old vines are located inside the coastal mountains uh, within Chile's Secano Interior. Ooh. And... I'm just straight up drinking this now. And I'm straight up just reading off the back of this label. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's really fun. And it really let's talk is. about the main grape here, um, which is Pai, which, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the mall, the Malay valley grows a lot of pie and carignan uh so the grape was the very first venice vinifera which is when we, when we say venice vinifera i think we've mentioned it before we're talking about vines from the old world mm -hmm. it was the very first venice vinifera brought to a new world country ever wow right so it was brought from spain <clears throat> to mexico and then from there it was cultivated by the missionaries mm -hmm. in Mexico, which then spread down to South America, Peru, and then to Chile. Got it. So it's got a couple different names. So it's called Pai in uh, in Chile. And then in Spain, where it's from, it's called Listan Prito. Sure. And then in the U.S., it's actually grown in Tejas, right? Because from Mexico, so it was in Mexico, uh -huh. came to Mexico, and then kind of spread out like an eight blot stain so it went to mexico went to south america so can you find it in like texas and stuff yes oh you cool. can you find it in mexico you can find it in texas um and then in yeah in the u.s it's just called the mission grape so it basically has gone from being sacramental wine to crushable summer red yeah <laughs> Uh, it still kind of doesn't have like the best reputation. Uh -huh. It is a little thin. Uh, rustic is another word. It's very low in acid, which is why it's getting blended with other yeah. grapes like Carignan to give it a little bit of a boost. But it is very light and fresh. Um, in the past, it was basically just jug wine for the <laughs> residents to drink. Um, and there's a big production of it in the 
Bio Bio Valley. Yeah. Bio Bio Valley, which is uh, in the southern. In the, the southern very region. creatively named south region. <laughs> the very creatively named south region of Spain. Um, Chile. Boom. Boom. We did it. We did it. But. But. Adrian. <gasps> it's time Tally. to rate our wines <laughs> and then play. Seven things. It's been so long. It's been so long. Oh my god. I don't even. I mean, <laughs> we gotta try. We, we, we gotta try. We have to try. Mm. Mm. Oh man, this is gonna be tough because this I liked a... all the wines we drank today. I liked all of them. This is gonna be a tough fucking decision. Mm -hmm. Let's see. I think I might have to like. I think I'm gonna go backward to forward. Or like the sense. least favorite to most favorite? Yeah. Okay. Who should go first? I don't know. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't even know if I've made up my mind yet. I don't know. I guess I kind of have an idea. Um, this is tough. They were all so good. Chile, you're killing it. You really are. Um, I really want to go. I want to go so bad. Me too. I want to go to Chile and I want to go to Argentina. I want to go to anywhere. <laughs> I want to go to anywhere but fucking here. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'm just going to rate the... Alright, I really liked the Sauvignon Blanc. I liked that so much. Yeah. I liked the Sauvignon Blanc. So I think I'm going to do that for my seven things. I'm going to do that first. <clears throat> do my Sauvignon Blanc and then I... Really liked the Carmenere, mm -hmm. and then I'll do the Carignan, and then the Semillon. Did I rate this? I don't know. This was good, but it wasn't like da da. And That's then the kinda... Merlot, and then maybe. Yeah. And this is great too. Maybe the Pie last, just because it did have some flaws. Mm -hmm. It'd probably be better if it was a little bit more chilled. I tried to chill it a little bit before I came. We could chill it. We could give it a little. Yeah, chill give it another chillerooney. <clears throat> And you know what? It really that pay has really given me some some Beaujolais vibes for sure. Yeah, it's it's a you know what? I just had never had it before. I was at Division Wines, and nice. somebody was Solid looking for division. you know because Archie drags me there now because he knows really? he gets he knows all the places he gets treats. <laughs> he gets treats at the dog store, at the dog store, at the pet store. They don't. It's just for dogs. There's ketchup there too, <laughs> and he drags me to the wine the wine store. Yep. So, and he gets a treat, and then I get to write wine recommendations. <laughs> All, All right. right, Hallie. Seven things that you would do while drinking the EQ Coastal Sauvignon Blanc 2018. Mm, I could sit down at my pottery wheel <laughs> and make some bowls. What? <laughs> I Just get warmed up with a couple of bowls. Just get warmed up with a couple of clay bowls. Uh, I would uh, practice my karaoke songs in front of the mirror to ensure perfect execution because I'm probably very out of practice. <laughs> Two. You gotta do your dance and your karaoke of crazy. <laughs> That's you true. Sing and dance. I do. You're right. I need to do them both. I gotta practice. <laughs> um, I would get out a fancy silver hairbrush Ooh. and I would pet my dog with it a hundred times, just like he was a fancy lady from the <laughs> 1700s. Three. Three hundred. <laughs> um, I would probably prank call a bunch of people, pe people and tell uh, them that they're... Beepers. They're, 
printer warranties out of ink. And if they need to call a 1-800 number and give me their social security number so they can get fixed. So you would rip off a bunch of old people. All right, four. (laughs) I'm feeling saucy. Yeah. Time to commit some, you know, um, phone crimes. Yes. (laughs) You know, phone crimes was the follow-up. The follow-up to to Le Bordeaux Connection. (laughs) Paul Newman couldn't make that Yeah, they couldn't get him for that sequel. So, um... Didn't didn't rate as well in no, the theaters. Didn't. Um, I would watch uh, the Bordeaux Connection and yes. Phone Crimes back to back. Yes, fine. Um, I would cultivate a tea label <laughs> brand. Uh, please tell me what the tea label brand name is. Mm. You got to tell me. Buff de Rose. Excellent. You know, because your dog burfs. Burf. 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 de rose. It's like... Also, with a beef flavor tea. Yeah. It's like, it's like... Oh, it's like tea for dogs. A tea for <laughs> That's dogs. That's what it is. I'm going to make a tea for dogs oh label. Oh, my God. I love it. Is it six? Five or six? Six, I think. Six. Oh, God. I think I have one more. <clears throat> oh, my God. That's amazing. I'm going to uh, befriend a crow so they bring me small trinkets that they get in the world. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. I saw a crow today picking apart a... A vacuum sealed jerky packet, and I was really inspired. Seven. How crazy! How random. That's a good story, Adrian. <laughs> Thank you. Crows are fucking smart. You should be friends some crow. No, they are. There's a there's a crow house in my neighborhood, and well, my friend calls it crow house, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then crow I walked house. by, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's crow house." She crow feeds the house. crows and the squirrels, and they're always out there. And Archie's always like, hmm? mm-hmm. "There's also a duck house he likes to walk by." Boof. 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 Adrian. Yes. It is that faithful time where you must rate the wines. Oh, this is hard. I think I think I'm gonna start with the Carignan. And then yeah, the I was the Sauvignon Blanc is also at the top for me. So good. And then or no, sorry, not start with the Carignan. The Carmenere. I really like the Carmenere. The Sauvignon Blanc. The Carignan. Um although maybe the Carignan is first. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Um, <clears throat> and then both have crosses on them. I think this the Semillon, and then I think I would do the Paillis and then the Merlot. Mm. Um, only because I could really just crush that Paillis. <laughs> oh, and right. I really like the Semillon, but um, I think because it's like one of those natural wines, I'm like, okay, I just kind of want more of a solid semi-own expression. Yeah, there was some, it was pretty, it was a funky. It was a little funky. It was a little funky. A little funky. A little There's funk. nothing wrong with that. There, there's not. I can't decide between this Carmenere and this Carignan. Let's go with the Carmenere. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Carmenere for your glass, for seven things. Beep, 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 beep. Ah, uh, yes. All right, Adrian. Yes. Seven things you would do while drinking the 2012 Santa Dina Reserva Carmenere mm. from Miguel Torres. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I would... I would order a really... I would go out and get a really big puzzle, like the biggest puzzle Ooh. that I could get. 2,000 pieces? Yeah, like 2,000 pieces, 5,000 pieces maybe. Yeah. And I'd start that puzzle and I wouldn't stop. And like 95% of it is sky, so it takes you extra long to finish. 
<laughs> it's just like one hot air balloon in a gigantic sky. God, fuck those. <laughs> yeah, it would be, be a hot air balloon sky 5,000 piece puzzle. One. I'd make a dry rub. <laughs> For like a massage? For like... <laughs> Oh, meat. A meat massage. <laughs> oh, yes. A meat, a good old rib massage. Mm. I make my own dry rub. Nice. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'd, um, I'd go to an outlet mall. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got shit. Oh, they got shit. It's and you know, too. I go to the Le Creuset at the outlet mall. <laughs> I get myself one of those really nice enamel Dutch ovens. And maybe even like make some Dutch babies. Maybe yes. Do you make Dutch babies in I'm a Dutch oven? You can, I guess. I don't know baking as well. Uh, what do I typically make a Dutch baby in? I usually make it in a in a um, cast, iron cast iron skillet. But I don't know if I make it in a really deep one or not. Anyways, <laughs> I take that Dutch oven home with me. Yeah, two, two three, three. Yeah, that's right. Got it on my fingers now. <laughs> got the fingers up. I got my fingers out. Um, Count this shit. I would, um, I would watch the. What was the second one? Phone crimes. Phone crimes <laughs> and Bordeaux Connection, but I'd watch them in the opposite order. <gasps> Ooh, risque. Four. <laughs> um, you know, phone crimes. Roger Nebert. Or Ebert, Siskel and Ebert got into a pretty big fight over phone crimes. They really did. Yeah. Um, Ebert hated it. Yeah, Siskel loved it. Siskel loved phone crimes. It was a split. It was a split of the century. One thumb up, one thumb down. <laughs> I miss Siskel and Ebert. I know. Aww. I still read the... I mean, they they still have an Ebert review. Right. And there's still some reviewers on there. Because um, he's not, dead too, right? He's dead, yeah. but you know he left a legacy of uh, left people who followed in his steps. Some of the reviewers I like. Some I'm just like, mm, go back to film school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when they got Roper on, I was like, get out of here, man. Get out of here. Uh, anyway, sorry, that was four for you on my hand. <laughs> um, I'd write Roper a threatening letter. Oh, yeah, just God. being like, you should get out of the film business. Oh my God, is he dead too? No, I think he's very much alive. So you gotta write a letter to a dead man. <laughs> That sounds sexier. <laughs> Write a letter to a dead man. Yeah, cool uh, five. But I wouldn't make it too threatening. Like I wouldn't, you know, like threaten his family. But I'd be like, I'm gonna pluck out your ears, a couple of them in your sleep. I mean, is it a threat if no one's there to read it? <gasps> <laughs> if a tree, <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest. <laughs> uh, sorry. Okay, you're on. You're on to. You're on to six. Mm. I'd um. Let's see. Seventh thing. I would go out, take a picnic during the summer, uh, a nice picnic blanket under the night sky, and I would identify um, stars that made different shapes of cured meats. Oh, the bacon constellation. <laughs> the bacon constellation. It's hard. It's hard to tell where the bacon constellation is. It is. You know, it moves around a lot. But thank God there's apps now that help you. I mean, Night sky. T-bone steak. <laughs> also really hard to find. I really love uh, the pancetta. It's, you don't see it very much in the northern no, in no. the northern hemisphere. You but don't. The pancetta constellation. You don't. 
You don't. You gotta be on the other other equator. God, geography. God, geology, geography. Cheers. Cheers to Chile. Cheers to Chile. Thank you.